Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Special episode for you tonight. The Ravens, uh, a day before the trade line, <laughs> trade deadline, uh, have acquired Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears. Big pickup of a two-time second-team All-Pro linebacker from the Bears uh, out of Georgia. And I got the the best Georgia fan I know, Jake Vogel, to join <laughs> us for this show. And uh, he certainly has a wealth of knowledge of of uh, Roquan from his playing days there. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing great, Ken. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. And and I need to thank our sponsor right now, Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Thanks for uh, their sponsorship. Please give their product a try. Uh, so Roquan Smith acquired today for a second and a fifth round picks. Obviously, we hope those will be late second and late fifth round picks. Uh, also gone in the in the trade, A.J. Klein. Uh, that is really a salary dump move for the Ravens to uh, to get rid of his salary for the rest of the year. The Bears, uh, we believe. Uh, I have not heard it officially said, but are picking up most of the remainder of Smith's salary for the season, everything above the vet minimum. That probably, by the way, has something to do with the price they paid. Would you agree with that, Jake? Yeah, absolutely. I think part of the reason that the Bears were able to get that second round pick is because of eating a lot of the salary cap hit. Would, what, what would have been your prediction with no cap hit? So if they if they hadn't eaten the salary, a third and a fifth, a, yeah, a second maybe, and nothing, maybe a third and a fifth, um, or a third and a sixth. I, I mean, he's a really good player, so possibly it's just a third and a fifth. Mm-hmm. 
I, I just did another show with uh, my good partner and by the numbers, Dan Reese. And he made the point that by having, by being willing to take that salary cap hit, the bears increase the number of potential bidders and any kind of auction situation needs multiple bidders or you don't, you know, you don't have a, a real competitive auction here. So uh, this was a situation where the Ravens couldn't have been in at all. If the, if the bears were, I mean, they, they literally had less cap available than what the, what is left on Roquan's deal this year. So they mm. couldn't have been involved in this deal. So they had to, they really had to do something here. And, and uh, the bears very cleverly manipulated the cap to get extra picks uh, out of the Ravens, which it's a, it's a, a lot of draft capital to give up in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you said nothing is official and that's still probably true. I do have Adam Schefter's tweet mm-hmm. in front of me. Uh, Roquan Smith was owed $5.408 million for the rest of the season. As part of today's trade agreement between Chicago and Baltimore, the Bears are paying Smith $4.833 million, meaning that the Ravens are paying him $575,000 for the rest of the season. Prorated, veteran, minimum yeah. contract for the rest of the season. And that, that makes absolute sense. And I think that's the same source. I heard it from Brian McFarland, but I think he's... He's going from right. Schefter and without it, the Ravens couldn't have done the deal. So uh, signed only through the end of the season. So some, some people will look at this as a rental situation. I know there are folks who say, well, you got a third back no matter what for him at the end of the year. I'm, I'm not that optimistic about the obvious comp pick you get back for Roquan. I think you do get a comp back. I think you get back something, but there's two things about it. One is I don't think it's guaranteed to be a third and Gakwe, everybody said would be a third. He ended up being a fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that could certainly happen with Roquan as well in terms of dropping around there. And it's also deferred a year, so you got to look at that and and haircut it by maybe twenty to twenty five percent the way that NFL executives think of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this thing could go really in so many different directions in terms of of how people in the fan base perceive the trade. Is it a win now move? Is it a um, building block for the future if they extend him. Um, and, of course, the compensation for letting him go is there, uh, but it is not guaranteed, like you're saying. I, I, it's really going to be between a third and a fourth, barring health, you know, barring that he plays well to finish the year. But I think you're you're pretty confident in one of those two um, draft rounds for a compensatory pick. But the reality is the Ravens don't like to give up a second round pick. Uh, they really don't like doing it, but they, they have shown the the willingness to in recent years with Eric DaCosta. I think he did. A, was it a third or a second for Ngakwe? A second. I know that was a third, but, okay. but it, it, two, two number twos went for Lamar Jackson. So, right. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I think they won that one. Yeah, they 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 won that one. They actually the, the last five or six years, really since Bowser was drafted, they've had very good use of their number two picks. Although they traded it in in some cases, uh, traded down once to to get additional picks, and and otherwise drafted J.K. Dobbins and who else am I missing that they drafted in the second round? Ojabo. Yes, so, Ojabo this year. So and then you know Bowser back in 2017 and Lamar Jackson with two of those. So. It's been pretty good usage of the twos now for a while. So that old stigma that the Ravens have from the Ozzie Newsom era of, of blowing the second round pick every year, I think is is a little overblown at this point. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right. Now, really want to get into and, and really interested to hearing your thoughts about who the Ravens are really getting 
in in Roquan Smith. And I know you've watched him play probably with the Bears a little bit and with the, the with Georgia a whole lot way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the NFL's best tacklers uh, has 83 right now to lead the NFL. So they're bringing him in uh, right there. He's at 25 and a half years old. Tell me about his tackling style from Georgia and what you saw. And if you can't compare that to what's what's going on right now with the Bears. Sure. So at Georgia, he was very instinctual, um, very fast, definitely a sideline to sideline guy. Reminds you a little bit of Ray Lewis. Um, you know, that, that's the stereotypical thing to to think of with linebacker play. That's solid. Um, but he, he really was the heartbeat of that defense at Georgia. Uh, you know, he laid he laid the hit stick on some guys. And, and I think you're seeing a little bit of a different style at the NFL level right now. He's known much more for his coverage um, and, and maybe not the most for taking on blocks. But, you know, thinking back to his Georgia days, he wasn't really taking on offensive linemen that much either. He was really using his speed um, to get around those guys and attack between the offensive linemen, you know, shooting the gaps similar to queen, but they are very different players in in their style of play. It, it's just, he's a very exciting player. And I think his game has changed a little bit. Whereas at Georgia, you saw him more as a run defender. And I think he's grown as a, as a coverage guy at the NFL level. Yeah. I, I in, in watching two games so far of him, this year for the Bears, there's a couple of things I notice is that is that one does not shy away from contact by any stretch and and is a good downhill tackler. Uh, you know, no no insult to his sideline to sideline speed. He, I think he has some of that, and I think it's it's more than that. It's the important instincts. I think he's more mm-hmm. likely to be in the right place on a screen pass on a pass that's behind the line of scrimmage to make sure that doesn't ever get started in the way it can, if your linemen all get out in front of that play. Um, he has, a, a, I would say, more instincts than Queen between level two and three in terms oh. of understanding what's going on. That's, I, yeah, it is an oh, yeah, but, but you know, it's just I, I try to be nice to Patrick Queen here. And, and, and <laughs> yes. not, uh, the, sure. but the, the other thing is, you know, the Ravens last year brought in Josh Bynes and Josh Bynes played next to Queen. And a lot of time, a lot of those snaps are at the mic roll. And he was the lead player a lot of times. And Queen keyed off the instincts that Bynes had, despite the fact that Bynes much slower foot speed, um, you know, just had much better, higher play speed. And that's what I think I still see out of Roquan, but I'm glad to hear you say it too, is, you know, that, that first step, that read step is, is um, more instinctive. It's more often correct. Um, but, but also there's a greater willingness to take the risk to make that move quicker because his instincts are good. I, I guess that goes with instincts. That's, that's what you're saying, you know, is that, is that they're a good gambler on movement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's something that you definitely see. Uh, I have only today watched two of his games, uh, this year. Um, and those instincts stand out. Uh, he definitely recognizes screen plays before they get going. Um, he is such a good backpedaler. It, it's very rare to see somebody at the linebacker position that can move so fast backwards, um, you know, just in a in a standard backpedal. Uh, he really gets to that third level, honestly, of a defense in a way that I think only a few linebackers currently in the game can do. So he's going to bring some 
coverage ability that we have not had in Baltimore in some time for sure. And uh, his instincts are, are phenomenal. Definitely, you know, better than what we've seen from Patrick Queen, although the growth we have seen from the past number of games, three, four games from Queen is great. And pairing that with somebody that's experienced, you know, a year five player, extremely high pedigree out of Georgia, um, I think that's only going to do better things for Queen. And hopefully it motivates him a little bit. He might be, you know, taking this in some sort of way that, that the Ravens made this move at the position. But um, hopefully it, it just does good things for Patrick Queen as well. Yeah, I, I I don't think you can ask Queen to be a robot about what's happened. I think first of all, if 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 he's looking at this, he's got to be realistic and say it's either me or Roquan. The Ravens won't pay us both, and so the end of the season will come along, and they probably will make an attempt to re-sign Roquan Smith if they like his play down the stretch. I expect Roquan to be extremely focused on being a, a, a on his play to increase his value over the rest of this year. So I, I expect. Super high effort. He's playing for a winner now. You know, this is a chance to play for a championship. I mean, you may never get a chance at a ring. Otherwise, you, you never guaranteed that wherever you go. And, uh, you know, especially if you eat up a bunch of the, the total cap as an inside linebacker, which he's going to do next year somewhere, uh, you, you you probably reduce that team's chances. Uh, so so it's this is a this is a big chance for him to to, to get that ring that uh, that not every player certainly certainly in the NFL gets. But I. I if if you're Patrick Queen, you probably are saying, if they don't sign Roquan, then maybe they'll give me the fifth year option, or maybe they'll even extend me at that point. That that you know that's it. It could be that if Patrick Queen plays at the same level he has over the last four seasons, Ravens may actually be on middle ground where they're not that excited about the fifth year option money, but maybe they can figure out what the right amount is to pay him on a new three or four year deal. So it's three years, 28 million or 29 million or something, but it's not quite the amount that, that he would have otherwise got as the, as a fifth year option, plus then a a chance at free agency after that. So I I think there are, there are ways that this can still work out for queen. I actually don't think it's going to cost him that many snaps, but I think he'll probably go from maybe 94% of snaps to maybe 75% of snaps because of this, because I think they still want to play some time. Yeah, I, I really do think what we've seen so far with Mike McDonald is the not only the willingness, but the want to to uh, use multiple inside linebackers. Um, it's it's very you know common for them, whereas in years past, we have had tons of dime defense. We haven't seen that as much. Josh Bynes, Malik Harrison, Patrick Queen have been on the field a lot and especially Queen. So I agree with you. He's not going to lose too many snaps, but Somewhere that I do think things could change as we're talking about other positions is where that green dot goes. Um, It's not going to be in the first couple weeks, I imagine, but I could definitely see the Ravens handing the keys over to Roquan Smith at some point this season to get the linebacker um, position to have that, um, to have the green dot. It, It just depends on, on how much they like Roquan and if they want him on the field uh, every down. I mean, I, I, it, it also might depend on how much they want to have Hamilton on the field as opposed to Clark. And, and if, if Hamilton is ready and they, and he's played very well now since that Miami game, really, he's, he's played mm-hmm. quite well. It's, it'd be, it would be a not unreasonable move that, that you know, that said, I think Clark's played very well. I think stone has played very well. And, yeah. you know, so they've got such a deep, a deep safety room, 
getting a second inside linebacker is almost going to mute the value of that in a certain way. And on the other hand, you have a lot of depth now, all depth all over the defense at, uh, at outside linebacker. That's exciting. Um, and we'll get to that. I want to talk a little bit more about Roquan before yeah, yeah, you, before you go on. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I think you get with Roquan, and we've seen it some this year, particularly some of the highlights uh, is a, a really high awareness to the ball in the air. Uh, now I really hadn't noticed second man to the ball plays so far this year, but, but the ball in the air in particular, he's, he's quite aware of that. Um, particularly if the ball's tipped at the line of scrimmage, much more likely to make a play on that ball than, than, uh, some of the other inside linebackers the Ravens have had in recent years. Are you guys still noticing that there's these strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section at your local grocery store? Well, that's because it's not beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is it liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and its infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring a death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits of every can sold to help kill that plastic pollution. And you guys know me. I come on here and tell you a story about how I've been using it that week and kind of form people as I'm drinking water. Well, I got a new one this week. I'm not going to tell you what I did. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do because this week is Halloween. So Monday night, I'm taking the kids around. And I know there's some people that are handing out beer and shots and stuff. But I don't want to do that when I'm around my kids. So when I'm dragging my two eight-year-olds around and going door to door, I'll be dragging the wagon with the cooler of liquid death. So I'll be handing out tall boys of water to parents. And hey, if a kid asks, I can actually give it to a kid as well because all it is is water straight from the Alps. Go on and get Liquid Death. Get it today. Get it ready for Halloween. Uh, You go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com forward slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film film study yes uh i have noticed a few plays where he you know he does some cleanup tackling second man to the ball nothing where he's uh, ripping the ball out um you know we love marlon humphrey Mm -hmm. for his punch outs he hasn't shown up in that stat for me but um he is very instinctive and and more generally he'll be the first guy to the ball if if a running play is a cutback roquan is going to identify that and he'll be in the right spot uh, before that running back gets to the hole, which is really nice to see. Now, that's a great point, because in order to have second man to the ball opportunities, you know, be the pry guy or the punch out guy or the anything guy, um, you got to have a first man to the ball who you really trust to make a good form tackle. And Roquan certainly is that guy uh, in spades and is probably going to allow players like Clark, some of the defensive linemen, uh, to, to make those plays uh, on the football from that spot. I mean, they, they are Humphrey is another guy, you know, Hamilton, instinctive guys who, who know how to go about getting, getting their, their fist on the football, get their, get their fist on the point of the ball a lot of the times and, and, uh, and get it loosened. But uh, I, I love it. Just, I think, I think there's going to be some spillover effect in terms of turnovers, just from the fact that he's a good tackler. Absolutely. I, I mean, his ability to, create a little bit with interceptions is, is a nice improvement in that linebacker room. Um, I think the forced fumble fumble recovery is definitely there with him. And then just like you're saying, he is a lot of times the first guy to the ball and not every time is that guy going down immediately. 
-hmm. And that creates opportunities um, for guys like Humphrey and Hamilton, uh, so on and so forth. Queen. Yeah. in terms, of, I think we touched on this already, but uh, the, the Chicago defense has been quite poor this year. 156 yards per game is 31st in rushing allowed. Uh, 5.0 yards per carry is 27th. He's a part of that, and in a in another way, he's kind of a victim of that in a lot of ways. The Chicago defensive line is terrible right now, just absolutely awful in, in terms of, of who they are. If you look at the PFF ratings, a bunch of guys on run defense that are down in the 30s and 40s, you know. If you look at the the Chicago boards where I spent some time today, uh, they're talking about needing both a three tech and a nose tackle. That's mm-hmm. not a good place to be in the NFL yeah. if you want to be stopping the run. Is oh, we just need these two guys in the middle, and and then we got it. <laughs> we got what we need in there. A lot of people are saying, you know, the price they got for Roquan is going to help them do exactly that. They don't really think they need the inside linebacker, though. There are a lot of people upset about losing him. But sure. they they think they need the the linemen more, and it's been such a couple of starved drafts for defensive linemen. We had a we, you know, we had a COVID draft with a lot fewer coming out, and the next year was just still kind of a low quality draft for lots of reasons. Just not as many real top quality players after the drop off from uh, you know a couple of the Georgia guys uh, mm-hmm. to everybody else, uh, and then uh, you know it, it just it, just not as good a draft. Yeah, I, I definitely think. They are missing out. Uh, Akeem Hicks is no longer a bear, as we all know. We were mm-hmm. talking about him for the Ravens. And I believe Eddie Goldman had an injury before the season started. I haven't really looked at the Bears roster too too hard, but uh, you know, missing both of those guys, if, if that's the case, is just huge for the linebacker play. And, and I think just watching the tape, Roquan looks good uh, despite those numbers in, in the running game. I mean, it's a small sample size. I was able to do two games. You were able to do a couple games as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just the eyesight on the All-22, It's it doesn't look like he is the reason that they are allowing th- that kind of uh, rushing success to other teams. Right, so the, the four guys they have on the defensive interior who've, who've got any significant number amount of time for the Bears so far this year are Armand Watts, who came for the Vikings. I don't know very much about him. Uh, Angelo Blackson, Justin Jones, and Mike Pennell. Pennell was a rookie or second-year player. I've forgotten, but he's, he's just – he's relative – oh, no, no, no. Pennell, this isn't – I must be confusing him with a different player. Pennell's been around the league for nine years, and he's, he's playing on his fourth, fifth team now. So – yeah. Uh, anyway, not a good set of defensive linemen in, in front of him. And and uh, if if you if you really if you look at the, the tape, the one thing that really stands out is he's really having to work for tackles more. There are probably fewer defensive wins coming out of his play, even though he's got a very high tackle total. A lot of those are happening further down the line of scrimmage to keep the offense on down and distance schedule. So a lot of them are coming in the passing game for that matter, too, although, you know, the a lot of teams are running effectively on the Bears, obviously, with 5.0 mm-hmm. yards per carry. But but he's also having to make tackles, you know, all over the field when there's when there's passes as well. So, uh, you know, I, I, I maybe because he's a Raven now, I'm projecting too much of it as he's the victim as opposed to part of the problem. But that's kind of the way I see it with the personnel around him. Yeah, I would say that the Ravens defensive line is in a much better position to keep him relatively clean even though he can take on some blockers, he's going to be in a, in a better position when Calais Campbell is back healthy, you know, not sick. And, and you got, you know, Broderick Washington and um, 
you know, Justin Matabike, uh, the list goes on uh, mm -hmm. with our, our rookie as well. Mm -hmm. The other right. Justin. Right. Travis Jones. Yep. Travis Jones. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah they, I, I think can kind of move on to this maybe at this point that, that there's the potential for him to really, along with the return of Bowser and Ajabo. Bowser is a huge key piece for this defense. Him going, be able to go in and play Sam Landbacher frees up the Ravens to basically use their outside linebackers as optimization pieces as opposed to necessitization pieces, as I've been saying it. Is it you know, they've been playing whoever is healthy at all, along with Adafi Owe, for a huge percentage of the snaps every week until about two weeks ago when Justin Houston came back. Now, Justin Houston's been a revelation upon his return in that he plays extremely well in relatively few snaps. Great. Ravens love to have a situational pass rusher. In fact, they might love to have four of them at that outside linebacker position if they could. Now, they do need a couple guys who can play on first and second down, but I, I think they basically have that. Pierre Paul, I think, has looked pretty good against the run. Here's what I'm, I'm going to get to more with this. I don't think the outside linebacker group anymore with five active, including Ajabo, is going to require Harrison to be at that position anymore. So, you know, you get some spillover value from those guys returning that your inside linebacker uh, platoon, if you wanted to use it, is a little stronger. Probably in truth, Harrison doesn't play very much going down the stretch. Yeah. And I don't want to say that's a shame um, because I think we'll be getting better play. But the the positive for Harrison is he has looked much better this season, and I think he's grown um, a significant amount in in doing everything he can to his highest level um, for, for sure. So he probably won't be out there near as much, but um, I think the quality of play he has put on the field perhaps uh, makes the Ravens want to offer him a second contract, even though it, it'll probably be something, you know, a little bit better than a veteran minimum contract. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a minimal deal. I mean, he's valuable special teams players. They, they love him for that. The, you know, the block field goal was something really cool that, that, yeah. that, that, you know, he's in position for it. But even if you, if you're not looking at those plays, he's made a number of plays getting into the right position, getting some pressure recently, and that Ravens are mostly blitzing from inside linebacker right now, and he, he'd done some good, thing that, good things there. Um, I, I don't really think much of what he's done for the Ravens on the edge, so I think it's actually a good thing for him to get away from that. And if he can move into um, the, the, the role that made the most sense for him was him to be at the mic and Queen to be at the will, um, unfortunately, that doesn't really work with having Roquan Smith because he's going to be in front of him. So it may be a case of they'll try and rest Roquan more than he's used to getting rest in Chicago. And he, he I'm, they will not take him out for any meaningful downs. I, I feel certain of that. But they may take him out, hopefully, to get some big leads against some of these really bad opponents they face down the stretch. Mm -hmm. And they can take him out for the last quarter of some of the games. And yeah, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Yep, just just like the the Tyler Huntley treatment in 2019 or uh, RG three, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just get big leads and put in your backups and and let them kind of grow and and take over and and not blow the lead. Right, I think that's a, that's a great situation. Yeah, and and I think one of the reasons they're not, I mean, there's probably multiple reasons why I don't think Roquan is going to get the green dot. I don't think they're a set on the green dot being. Um, 
add inside linebacker that they really put that much of a premium value on it. Although Roquan certainly he, he plays every snap for the Bears. He never comes off the field. Um, if it would make sense for, for him to have it once he learns the defense from, from that perspective. But I think they really like what Chuck Clark brings to that signal calling. Um, he could still be what Ed Reed was to the defense, meaning he aligned the secondary, what Marcus, Marcus Williams can do this as well. Sure. But, 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 uh, uh, Clark, uh, you know, very good at hopefully aligning the defense and making sure mistakes don't happen there. Um, sometimes I felt like he's been hurting cats in terms of the, the players not really understanding their assignments completely at times. But I, I do think the Ravens really like him. Uh, but it gives them another option. If Clark has to go at the end of this year, for whatever reason, um, he's not happy, or the team really wants to get Hamilton on the field, um, you know, then there is the option to give the green dot to Roquan next year. Uh, maybe even give it to Marcus Marcus Williams if, uh, uh, if they wanted to do it. Although it's not ideal, really, to have a free safety be the guy. Right. I, I would agree with that last point. Um... Marcus Williams is a great player, and I think he's a fantastic communicator, but a free safety is a little bit more difficult than what Chuck Clark does on a regular basis. Uh, Roquan does make a ton of sense, but as we talked about already, we're not sure if he's going to be in the plans long term. Um, but if we see, you know, in the coming weeks or I, I, let me let me actually pose this question to you. Do you think if he starts playing well, that the Ravens are giving him an offer before the end of the season. Yeah. It's a timing is going to be really interesting. Um, or you could just do it in odds on it. Like, right, uh, sure. Let me, let me come up with it. I I'll say, I, I, I think there's probably a 40 to 60% chance, roughly 50% we'll say of sure. them giving him a contract offer before the end of the season to kind of clear the decks for the choices they have to make. They actually have a little longer to make the decision on queen on the fifth year option. They don't have to do that right away. I don't, I don't remember what the exact date is, but it's, it's sometime a little further. It might be may it might be late April, but it's, it's, it's not that it's not that early that they have to make that call. And then of course the big thing they're going to have to decide is if they can get Lamar Jackson under a non-franchise tag contract next year. And if they can, then I think that there, uh, you know, that leaves a lot of of open possibilities, including some some real dollars, to try and sign a Roquan and and uh, and address that position. If they do that, then I think Queen is one more year in Baltimore and gone. Um, they might even try and trade Queen. Um, I, I don't think that would be the best use. I think the best use is probably just to keep him since he's playing well, um, and and go another year with those two at inside linebacker. But they may find that. You know, it just the 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 way they want to play dime, who they want to have on the field on third down, it just doesn't make sense to have Patrick Queen around anymore if you've got Roquan. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I would I would put the percentage at sixty percent. I'll be a little bit more optimistic that the Ravens would offer a contract to Roquan this year before um, you know, before the clock strikes triple zeros on on the season. But that's exactly what what they did with Marcus Peters, of course. And I think most Ravens fans are happy about that. Peters had another fine year. And then, you know, he's having a, a, a good year this year, I think, that uh, that you could point to and say this is really – I let me put it this way. If Marcus Peters were not around this year, the Ravens would be in a hell of a lot of trouble right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the potential upside in terms of, of how this could play out. Um, one thing that I want to talk about, and we'll kind of alternate here, but is that – I think it's quite possible that Roquan is going to be playing at a higher level with better players around him. 
Now, there's all the instinct things about Roquan's game. They don't really depend on other players directly, but if other players are doing their job well, if the edge is getting set well, if the guys in front of him are are maintaining double teams, not allowing those to be resolved as quickly, then you got a better chance to make tackles. You got a better chance to maintain your ability to move in space. Um, you know, you got another very fast guy next to you who who has the ability to track down a play as well. And some of what we may see from Rokon is the first blocker goes to Roquan and no one goes to Patrick Queen. So we we may have some good opportunities for for uh, for Queen to improve his play as well. Yeah, I agree. I think so many things open up. What I see from Roquan Smith is a player that has that erasing ability when it comes to tight ends and when it comes to running backs in coverage. Um, He is especially good in zone coverage, but I, I also think he's a heck of a player in man coverage. And you have a guy like Roquan Smith, you have a guy like Patrick Queen that is phenomenal when he's going downhill, when he can just click and close. He's he's great at that. And then you have another young, budding player in our 14th overall selection, Kyle Hamilton, who is really showing up to be a tight end eraser, a, a matchup problem for these offenses. So when you're adding those guys together, the possibilities are are getting pretty endless. Chuck Clark is another guy that's pretty good against tight ends. And then bringing in Tyus Bowser, who is quite possibly, you know, a top two, maybe top, <laughs> may, maybe maybe better than that. I don't know. Outside linebacker in coverage, uh, they can. I mean, Mike McDonald can really dial up some fun, um, some fun looks for these offenses where they they drop Bowser or they they send Bowser and I don't know they they blitz the linebackers, but uh, they can get a little bit unique with it for sure. Yeah, it's a great point because we've seen blitzes, the off-ball blitzes from the Ravens the last few weeks have been almost exclusively inside linebackers. There's been a few others from Hamilton, uh, almost nobody else. I, I don't think Clark has blitzed during that time, and I don't think uh, Stone might have blitzed once in the last few weeks. But basically, they're, they're, they've been those have been taken off the table. Two valuables, coverage assets, can't can't risk. They're not doing that much blitzing overall, and that is one of the questions I want to ask you about Roquan is. Roquan has gotten after the quarterback a fair amount and and maybe to a similar amount as Patrick Queen has during his time uh, at Chicago. Do you see him being somebody that McDonald wants to use regularly as a pass rusher? Or do you think because you know he has value in coverage that we're going to see more of still letting Queen be a, a, a pass rusher on, we'll call it second and long downs where you want to get a blitz going? Uh, maybe if you want to, you want to uh, wait a half second for that mobile quarterback to not spy the guy directly, but but half step him. So when you kind of see him leaving the pocket, you're immediately in on him. Uh, JOK very effective like, against that mm-hmm. with Lamar Jackson. So I mean, I just how how would you expect him to be used as a pass rusher? Uh, so I, I definitely think he is a good blitzer as well. Um, that was a big part of his game at Georgia, and he continues to do that in Chicago and and now hopefully in Baltimore with, with Mike McDonald, it's an interesting idea because Patrick queen, I think blitzes really well and he's getting better in other areas of his game, but he's not the pass coverage linebacker that Roquan Smith is at the same time. I think McDonald is going to want to mix and match these guys. I don't think he's going to keep it vanilla and say every time that we're blitzing a linebacker, it's going to be queen Mm -hmm. and we're going to put Roquan in coverage. I really do think they're going to 
mix it up so that the team doesn't know. And another sneaky element of that would be to send one of the linebackers. They they've done this before, I, I believe with Bynes and queen is, is send one of them on a delayed blitz. So you have a guy kind of spying and then he shoots right after the other linebacker already kind of shows his tell. Um, on cross, who is, yes. Cross blitz. So that's what we saw the other, the, the, the other day. And it was literally his queen coming in and I think might've been against the Browns and Chubb knocked him well off the play. And then uh, Bynes came in and got the sack. I think he yes. Uh, I think Queen ended up getting. Oh, you're right. Queen did. Yeah. Bynes missed the sack, and yes. then Queen came back in and got it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I I do think that they will both be used in that way. But overall, Roquan should have more coverage snaps than Patrick Queen going forward. Okay. All right. Um. Uh, Looking at this, there's a, 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 there's you know a fresh start value here. That it, it's always going to be kind of difficult to estimate what a player coming to a new and pretty good situation is. And the Bears' defense is is bad. I mean, it's it, it's got problems. It's not exclusively on the on the defensive line. And now they've obviously traded away their best pass rusher as well um, in in Quinn. Uh, it's it's coming to a situation improving his own outlook on this what would you expect from Roquan in terms of an improvement in his play and and he'd been criticized by some Bears fans unfairly or not for being a guy whose head maybe wasn't completely in the game during the early part of this season um yeah I have not gone back to his early games this year I've watched the more recent stuff so I can't comment on that specifically. I will say playing for a team that is, you know, in the lead in their division and really in the playoff thick of things, uh, like the playoff hunt and possibly could be one of the best teams in the conference. I, I think that is going to be enough motivation for his head to be in the game the whole time. Uh, plus he's in a contract year, you know, until he gets an extension, He's playing for the entire NFL. So I I really don't see it being an issue. I know he's had some off the field things uh, in the past every, every year, every other year. I'm not sure to the degree of seriousness those have been. Uh, We don't really need to get into that, but um, yeah, I I think that he will be ready to go. and, And I think definitely pumped up for the opportunity to play on a much better defense for sure. Yeah. I, I, I also think just from the way things have gone, particularly recently, but the, the opponents that the Ravens have had so far this season, their defense is actually significantly better than anybody gives them credit for right now. And they're getting healthy at a good point in the season where they, they have a chance to have a run of some good games. They got it. Losing teams are great to face during the stretch. Um, the difference is baseball, you call it the September effect that bad teams get worse. Good teams get better in terms of their winning percentage. So you can't ever project out the current winning percentage for playoff teams that are struggling on the edge of the wild card race, because there's a whole bunch of teams in there who don't care at all about the games or care very little about the games. Well, in football, probably even to a greater degree, that's true. And I think the Ravens have an opportunity to build some leads that they haven't done so far this year. Sorry, they've had some leads. I forgot them. <laughs> they just didn't hold up very well. In fact, the Ravens have never trailed by more than a score this year, which I, I still find to be incredible. Yeah. But they, they, uh, 
but they, but I think they have a chance to build some more leads against some bad teams, seal games both on offense and on defense, but really have some fun playing defense in terms of hunting, in terms of you know being in a position where the pass rush is effective and the coverage units have some opportunities to make plays on the football, et cetera. I completely agree. Uh, this trade really, I think, will energize the defense. Even though they have a ton of swagger, they bring a ton of energy. They they are getting a dog, and and I don't mean that um, <laughs> as a as a joke because he played at UGA. I, I really mean he is a heck of a football player that is going to be a leader out there. Um, they're they're not just getting a guy that's that's part of the group that's in the background. I truly believe Roquan Smith is a leader at inside linebacker that we haven't had in a long time. And that should excite a ton of Ravens fans that, um, you know, certainly haven't seen that since the Ray Lewis days and, and Roquan's not Ray, but uh, he's certainly a, a step up from what we've had in, in some ways. I, I, I always really careful to not beat on CJ Mosley because he was terrific. Uh, and, yeah, and, CJ, yeah. CJ was great. I almost forget that, that he was here not that long ago. Uh, I have other things on my list, but I don't want to hog this all. And you've, you've named some of these already about the green dot and whatnot, but what, what other things do you see as potential upside for in, in this move? Uh, possibly he can teach. I, I commented on that earlier. I think some of the things he can bring to this defense is really helping the other players around him. We talked about what it could do, you know, for Mike McDonald and and what he wants to call, but also just the experience that he has and the skills he has um, can possibly lead other players to do some of those things. Um, specifically, Patrick Queen, who's a young player, could grow in coverage. He's had Josh Bynes here as a phenomenal teacher. I'm sure he's he's going to coach after he retires. He said mm-hmm. so on a couple occasions. But uh, yeah, I, I really think the the teaching element and the experience that he brings is is going to be really nice for that group. Right. I, I'll I'll throw in another thing because I agree with that that there's no need to really respond to it then is that I think sure. there's there's value to having kind of a critical mass of playmakers that every additional playmaker you put on the field actually is more dangerous than they are individually when you have a number of them there. So the Ravens have a great set of defensive linemen who love to tip the football. This Broderick Washington is now, you know, showed up twice last game. Travis Jones did it again. Calais Campbell, we see it all the time. Brent Urban, we've seen it a fair number of times. You know, they've got guys who who do it. Justin Matabike is on all five of them. I think mm-hmm. all five of them have had at least one PD this season so far and 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 several of them multiple. Pierre Paul too as well on the right. on the edge. But I mean you got lots of guys tipping the football. It's it's great to have that happen. It's great to have a pass rush that's actually getting off after a quarterback. And you know, this last game, Tom Brady threw a lot of ball out quicks, uh, a lot of balls where he had space because the Ravens were conservative with their pass rush. As the Ravens play some lesser teams down the stretch, they play somebody like Marcus Mariota in Atlanta. I know he's he's having a pretty good year so far, but he could really be a victim of this defense. You know, you can pick other guys as well, Jacoby Brissett. Had a great game tonight. 
You know, we saw mm-hmm. probably happy for it, probably happy for it. I hope yeah, we're yeah. happy for it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, you know, he's another guy who could who could potentially be a victim. I guess it will be Deshaun Watson when they when they play the Browns next. But uh, but it's it, they're not facing a great set of quarterbacks. Whoever Carolina puts out there is not going to be that great. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just it's they're going to have some opportunities to get after the quarterback that they haven't had early in the season um, with, with the quality of quarterbacks who knew how to really punish a team that blitzed them and and who knew how to get the ball out of their hands quickly and, and effectively. Uh, Roquan is one of those players who really should help the Ravens deal with a quarterback who's a little bit slow to process. I agree with that. And then to kind of comment on that point, I would say Roquan Smith also gives the Ravens an ability to play quarterbacks that are dinking and dunking across the field the whole mm-hmm. game. Uh, because a, as the Ravens may want to drop, you know, two safeties against a high powered offense, try to keep the top on the defense uh, teams like the Cincinnati Bengals may want to throw the ball a ton to Joe Mixon or to their tight ends. And mm-hmm. I think what Roquan Smith gives you at that second level is somebody that can immediately make the tackle on those short passes. And that is going to create a lot more um, three and outs for this defense, you know, just making solid tackles immediately uh, and and possibly getting, getting some hands on the football in those situations. I really think that the defense is going to take us a step forward in that direction as well. All right. All right. Outstanding stuff. We could probably go on with more potential upside, but I just, I, I, I really like, the spillover impact of him into the other positions. And I, I don't think we have, we need to go over every element of that, but the Ravens roster, you know, you always are one injury away from this sucks again, but you know, it's, it's uh, right now the Ravens big area of potential danger is, has been shifted from inside linebacker to cornerback for sure. I think it was probably cornerback mm-hmm. for sure before, but uh, they, they really cannot afford to lose a cornerback at this point. They, they, they have, you know, extra guys at basically every other position, not saying that they, they you know, their depth wouldn't suffer from it, but they, they could probably get by with one less at, uh, at several different places. I would agree with that big time. Corner is still an area of need. Do you think that the Ravens will make a move at corner or wide receiver before the trade deadline is over? Yeah. It, it's an interesting point. Cause they've, they've given up a lot of draft capital here. I think they, the, the elasticity of willingness to give up draft capital is going to get tighter because of what they've already given up. Now, could they could they find a corner that is the number four guy on somebody else's team that they like, and he's you know he's a conditional 2024 fifth round pick or sixth round pick? They they might do something like that. I don't see them trading another way another 23 because it's just a lot to give up from a single draft. So it's not like they have never done it before. You go back to the Ozzie Newsom draft. They had four players drafted in, in at least one year, uh, mm-hmm. so it, it's it, it has happened. I'm just not saying that that it's something that I like to happen. And, and DeCosta's been a pick accumulator. You're paying going to pay Jackson a lot of money, and that means you're going to have to go cheap at some positions. So you're going to have to find how you can get by with draft picks. Can't afford to have, you know, four or five draft picks. I mean, they, they might in fact go into this year with five draft picks, but they can't afford to have four draft picks. Yeah, I agree with that. And kind of one more question about that particular topic. Do you think they would possibly make a move for a 
a somewhat high caliber wide receiver with a 2023 pick? Well, somebody that would that would be under contract through more than just this season is what I'm asking. I like would a, gauge that as unlikely because you're going to have to start with this, that whoever they get, if he's not a guy on his rookie deal who wasn't drafted in the first round already, that's a bunch of conditions. OK, mm-hmm. but a guy, a, a guy who's good, you know, is high because you, you mentioned the high caliber. He's, he's on his rookie deal and he wasn't originally drafted in the first round. I mean, you can probably count 10 players that are there and they're all very valuable to their current teams. So if somebody's going to give up something like that, they're going to want a real draft capital premium for it. And I don't, I don't really see that happening. The other possibility is there's somebody as a first round draft pick there who's unhappy playing with a bad team that's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, the current quarterback or the the current general manager in that in that town is is pissed off. And I can't really think about who that would be right now. But if there was such a guy, you know, maybe they pick up the rest of his salary or the rest of his bonus, and the Ravens get him for one year, like with Roquan. Hard for me to imagine, you know, two years of accelerated bonus and nothing and anything but a very high premium pick. So I don't think they'll trade a one after trading a two. I'll start with that. I don't I really don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. They don't really like to give up big time draft capital. The, the move a lot of people are talking about is Elijah Moore because he is very disgruntled in New York with the Jets. Uh, he's a second round pick, so he would not cost very much. Um, and he's a second year player, I believe. So there would still be, uh, you know, a couple years on his contract. That would be an interesting move. He's not a superstar by any means. Right. But I think he's better than some guys that we have in the offense, especially with Bateman missing some time coming up, I believe. Yeah, it's. Um... Bateman's time coming up. The Ravens don't really have an answer for that unless it happens to be Deshaun Jackson. If Deshaun Jackson ends up being a real player, uh, that's good. We saw a little bit of good stuff in this last game. Obviously, Isaiah likely uh, coming coming on in two ways as as a as a pass catcher, which is absolutely critical. You got to have that trust with Lamar. You got to have that connection with Lamar. He seems to have it. But more importantly, from the coach's point of view, he completely complemented their run game. And he's, he was able to get out there and block. You want to stay on the field for the Baltimore Ravens, be, be Miles Boykin as a run blocker. And I'm not saying that's what we saw, by the way, from, from him in this game, but I, he did have a very good run blocking game. And I think you know, if, he can, if he can stack a couple of those and all of a sudden he goes from being a liability in the run game where he's basically a designated receiver who only plays on obvious passing downs to a guy, at, yeah, damn straight, we need him mm-hmm. as, our, as, our, as our guy in there on first down. Uh that that really changes a lot of that dynamic and allows the Ravens to continue playing these extraordinarily historically heavy packages they've been doing so far this season. So they opened it up with a little bit more 11 this week. I don't know if you, you, you caught some of that. They played slightly over two wide receivers per play, which, by the way, you know the average NFL play is 11 personnel and you've got three wide receivers on the field and the Ravens played 21 three or something in this game. And it's like, Oh my God, what are they doing? They've got all these receivers on the field. <laughs> um, it's uh, uh, they, they really did get a little heavy. They played Ricard less in, in this game. They only played him about half the snaps, which is, which is unusual. Uh, but by the way, the second half went and the way they were so dominant in not allowing themselves even to get the third down and then converting it when they did, and just basically running the ball at will uh, having the passing game be going at a at clicking at a very high level when the run game was supporting it, 
I just, I don't see them going away from that. I, I think, you know, whoever the Ravens play is going to have to force them out of that by being able to stop the run. And, and, and you know, they're going to face a lot of teams that are very mediocre in terms of run defense uh, coming up right now. I think they'll, they'll have some good opportunities to beat them. Yeah, I would agree with that. When, when you see Lamar Jackson go eight for eight, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the efficiency can't get any better than that. Um, and the running game was was doing its thing. I really I really think that I, I know you talked about it in your pod. They were just trying to exploit the the secondary that had a bunch of guys out for Tampa mm-hmm. Bay. And it just didn't really work as effectively as they might have hoped. But um, it, it's good to know that they can kind of experiment with the game plan and still turn it on in a half. Uh, and it was great to see the second half Ravens play to a high level, which we haven't really seen that much this season. Right. I mean, that that they look like the 2019 Ravens again in terms of you just could not stop them. Uh, that obviously, the, you know, the, the announcers talked a little bit about the, the amount of hands on hips. And that's one of the things you really look for in terms of who's tired on defense. See how many people can have their hands normally at their side, which may indicate mm-hmm. so that maybe they're not that tired. Maybe they're still pointing around. They're still making adjustments and whatnot. And the guys who are just, you know, their feet seem to be dragging behind their body and their hands are on their hips and they're having trouble even getting into position. They're, you know, they're, they're kind of thinking about when they're going to take a playoff. I know David White got called out on that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that uh, on Twitter today, but uh Oh yeah, I did. I did see that one. <laughs> he was just—he was just walking. <laughs> yeah, it was a wide receiver screen yeah. to the to the to the right side, and he literally yeah. is is not going after the play at all. So, um, yeah, that was that was actually fairly embarrassing. Let's let's move on if we can. Unless sure. unless there's another thing you'd like to talk about here, we we good? I think we're good. I mean, I have I have tons of notes, but they're really on individual plays, and I don't know how entertaining that would be. Well, maybe let's talk about some of the Ravens who will be most affected by this, some of the current Ravens, because a lot of things are going to change about the Ravens defense from from this acquisition. And we can go through them one at a time. But Josh Bynes, uh, let's just talk. Please start. You Tell me where sure. you think what, what, what happens to Josh Bynes out of this move. So we know Josh Bynes got dinged up. Um, he's dealing with a little bit of an injury. And I think Father Time is showing up this season. I think he's he's still playing at a reasonable level, but he doesn't quite have the same speed he did last year, and uh, he's never been known as a speedy guy. So it, I think his snaps definitely reduce by a large margin. Um, as long as Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are healthy, it, I don't see much room for binds unless it's early downs. And they want to give one of those guys a breather. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be tough for him. But he is such a leader in the locker room. He's so smart, cerebral. He he probably could coach the defense. Um, but yeah, I I don't see his impact on the field being nearly as strong going forward. So he, they they're going to owe him his salary for the whole year because he was on the roster on week one. Is that's my recollection anyway. I, I hope I'm not wrong about that, but I think I'm I'm that's, 70, that's correct. Seventy five percent sure I'm right. Anyway, uh, he, he's so cutting him doesn't do any good. You could you could put him on IR in case you might need him again, and you might. You know, it's it's possible somebody gets hurt and and they need a second inside linebacker. Uh, if Queen got hurt, I, I I think it might be Harrison anyway. Um, but if, but if, uh, Roquan were to get hurt, it, it very well could be Bynes again. 
So you know, this is this is a a place where kind of in the same point with Nick Boyle that you I mean you can never have too many tight ends in in the Ravens scheme in terms of being able you can still run all of your thirteen personnel tricks you want to do. You need to you need to find a way to keep that extra tight end somehow on the roster. So a player like Nick Boyle might end up being a guy you send to IR when Kolar's really back and and is ready to play and Andrews is back and and, and you still you're going to have to pay him anyway. So right. you might as well keep him to the end of the year. And and if you need him, then you got him. I, and I, I would think both he and Bynes would be a candidate to go, to go there. The Ravens aren't anywhere near their to, their max limit for IRs. And if they needed him, they'd get him back for the stretch. They'd have to wait four weeks. But, you know, th- things have to play out injury-wise anyway for that to be a, a necessity to start with. Uh, quick question on the IR. Um, they don't have to designate those guys in – unless they know for sure that they're bringing them back, correct? That, that is my understanding. Now, I've had the same question with Brian McFarlane. I was never able to get to the exact answer, but I believe they get eight returns after mm-hmm. four weeks, but they don't have to designate them at the time they go on. And that was the rule when Ray Lewis in 2012 was the very first IRDTR player. You had to designate them. And then that went away. It might have gone away with the three-week COVID IR, and then all the teams really kind of liked the more flexible IR and so they they basically kept it and then they said oh wait the Ravens are taking advantage of this okay this is my thinking of what really yeah. happened by the scene is that the Ravens are one of the most efficient at taking advantage of roster rules on the margin and they wanted to kind of limit it in some way so they said okay you can only return eight and you have to wait four weeks so it's a little bit less useful than it was before but it's still pretty good and the Ravens aren't going to come anywhere near eight returns um, uh, so we'll see Marcus Williams will be one. I'm trying to think of who else has already has anybody else already come back from IR. Um, I mean, there's PUPs. Uh, yeah, there's the PUP. I don't know if we've had another. Oil was never on it. JK is not on IR right now. I don't believe yet, or is he? I he might man. Be. I I hope he's on it. Okay. If, if it feels like a waste of time if they don't put him on it uh, right away, I believe he is on the IR. Justice Hill did not go on. All right. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have to go through every player to know that the Ravens are nowhere near using eight returns yet. Correct. Yeah. All right. So, you know, it, it is a possibility and maybe they, maybe they start talking to him right now about bringing him as a coach. I mean, they've already got Zach Orr, who's a very relatable, talented inside linebacker from his playing days you know career obviously tragically ended short you know what was a very fine career at the time uh does all the things you want from an inside did all the things you want from an inside linebacker in terms of being able to cover and and play the run what uh both well uh it it seemed like that was a great coaching move and queen's play has improved with it so it seems like that that really has worked out better than the rob ryan situation yeah i would agree I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. How about other players impacted? Patrick Queen um, is is one. This this is an interesting. Obviously, we've talked about contract wise how the year five contract may be in question, and I think they'll either give him a year five deal or they'll they'll have a long term contract with Roquan, but not both. I would agree with that, and yeah, it seems pretty cut and dry. That would be the case. Um, outside of the contract, it's it's about playing time and ki- kind of the role in the defense. Like I talked about earlier, 
I, I think Roquan Smith is the more savvy uh, pass coverage linebacker. So I, I think he will be used more in that in that way. And and I I imagine Queen will be freed up, which is a great thing to do some more um, diagnosing in the run game and really just attacking downhill. And both of those guys are very good at attacking downhill, but Queen really has the speed to shoot the gaps um, and get to the running back, get to the quarterback at, at, at an extremely high level when he's on his game. So uh, I hope that the addition just allows him to do what he does best and takes away some of the other responsibilities that kind of slow his mental processing down. Okay, let's. I, I agree with all that. Very well stated. I got n- n- no retort to that. But I, one thing I would ask is, if you had to kind of set the bar at what percentage of snaps Queen is going to have, he's played ninety four percent of the snaps to date. Would you say wh- wh- where would you set it? I'll give you my number after. In fact, I'm going to write down my number so I'm not cheating and and just taking your number. Uh, okay. I I got my number. Okay, I would say Queen will drop to 78%. Okay, and that, so- that that is still a really high number to have two inside linebackers on the field potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he's going to, you know, completely plummet in in terms of his uh his snaps on the season. So what that means is they won't like completely commit to Diamond. I had 73% so okay. that means they'll commit to dime a little bit less than they have so far to date, where they played more dime than that. Anyway, I can I I can tell you, um, they do have an option still. Now this team hasn't really tried to do it, but they could play some thirty-two dime. Uh, we saw some of that in two thousand one, a long time ago, with Jamie Sharper uh, coming to his own. Jamie Sharper, a guy who was always taken off the field on third down in two thousand. In two thousand one, he was too valuable. They kept him on the field. And even though it was basically the same players on that defense, the only the only change was Corey Harris for um, uh, Kim Herring at strong safety. Uh, they 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 kept sharper on the field and played a lot of thirty two dime. Marvin Lewis, by the way, incredibly adaptable to his personnel to just change his scheme like that. Most most defensive coordinators they just wouldn't be comfortable changing their own scheme, even coming off a great year like that to go to a, you know, maybe especially coming off a great year like that to to go to a different version of the dime and, and, and dime defense. But, uh, but he did. And, and uh, you know, maybe that's a, that's a thing where the Ravens only need to line up three across up front, have, uh, you know, two inside linebackers and you still get a dime defense. You get Hamilton on the field, maybe Hamilton even roams the line of scrimmage a little bit and becomes more of a pass rusher, maybe queen. Uh, roams the line of scrimmage and becomes more of the pass rush because that's often true in the 32 dime is one of your guys ends up being a guy who's who's going to rush the passer and he kind of just can pick his spot pre-snap and uh, and go from there. Yeah, I, I like the idea um, to do that for sure. It's it's tough because the safety room is so strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a strength of the team going into the year. The group is still really good without Marcus Williams and we – I mean, hopefully we'll get him back this year uh, by all indications, you know, knock on wood for sure. Uh, we will get get him back before the end of the season. So that's just going to make the group that much stronger. And then you're competing because you can only have 11 guys on the field uh, who to put on and who to take off. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, it, it's it's going to be tough 
do you take off an inside linebacker? Generally, you would say yes, but Roquan Smith is a pretty special player. Patrick Queen is growing. I think he can do some nice things rushing the passer, so they're going to have options. Yeah, and and if you keep if you keep the green dot with Clark, you have a hundred percent options because. I mean, I, I'm not saying that, that the Bears didn't want Roquan on the field 100% of plays. I, I really doubt they had any better option, you know, in their in their uh, on their defense that could have you know taken his spot. But the Ravens, they they might feel if particularly if they had all four safeties healthy, that there would be plays and times when they'd rather have four safeties on the field, uh, six or seven defensive backs on the field, and and four guys up front and and run that. They've certainly done that in the past under Wink. So. Uh, not not out of the question that they would they would uh, decide that they didn't want a, a, any inside linebacker on the field. Let's keep let's keep rolling here. Malik Harrison, uh, unfortunately, I think is going to lose a lot of snaps um, out of this. Where are you on that? I, I agree with you. Um, we don't need to really talk about him too much because we already mentioned him earlier. But uh, we're talking about Josh Bynes losing snaps. I, I definitely think Malik Harrison will as well. Um, Patrick Queen's going to lose some snaps. Roquan Smith's probably not going to play 100%. So uh, the further you get down that depth chart, the the tougher it is for you to be on the field at a consistent uh, level. Right. Malik's still a very valuable special teams player, so hopefully you know, he'll, he'll make his money there. Josh finds a much more difficult situation because he may not be able to play special teams. So you may want to put him someplace where you can get him if you need him, which is why I think IR – you know, would would kind of make a lot of sense. He also seems to be dealing with some sort of an injury now, so it's it's kind of a logical right. uh, move from that standpoint. Kyle Hamilton. Now we talk a little bit about the dime and and the reduction in snaps. I can't see how he doesn't get his snaps reduced, but could you see a situation where he ends up playing more big nickel because he's losing dime snaps? Um, I definitely could. I, I don't. I don't think he should lose many snaps um, with this addition, mainly because he is coming on big time as a, as a coverage guy. Roquan is that guy too, but what we saw from him as a pass rusher, I mean, it was very small sample size, but that move he put on the guard. Unbelievable. It was, it was unreal. I mean, can, can, if he can teach that to a couple of the defensive linemen or edge rushers, uh, it was, I mean, if I don't understand how he did that uh, so easily. Um, so I, I don't want to take that guy off the field uh, very, very often. I mean, he's only playing h- how many snaps per game? I think he's in like the 20, 30 something snaps per game. He played about, I think he played 32 in this last game, but, but in any case, that was a fifth overall draft pick kind of move. Right. And that's where the Ravens, you know, it's, it's just, that's unstoppable. It, you know, it was Froholt. So he's right. not he's not the regular guy at, at right guard for the Browns, but it's uh it's it's still a uh uh you know it, it's it's an NFL lineman and and he made him look like an absolute fool on the play. So <laughs> uh, I I I think the Ravens are very unhappy with their slot corner situation right now. I think they have good reasons. They they've alternated some benchings at that position. Uh, Pepe, I think, has, has worked hard and is probably the better choice of the two. I think Stevens might make more sense on the outside, which moves Humphrey mm-hmm. inside. I don't like that at all. I like keeping Humphrey on the outside. We've seen a lot of really good play. Him using his physicality well, particularly if you go back to that Patriots game, 
to 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 make some great plays on the football off his own off his own assignment. So I I I think it would be a big mistake to move him out of there, which means that um, if you're going to use Hamilton more, he's really got to take snaps away from the two slot corners, and you've got to more aggressively go after opportunities where the other team leaves a big slot mm-hmm. or twelve personnel on the field and go after that with Hamilton. I agree 100%. I don't really want Hamilton covering the shifty small slot receivers. Um, we we saw that a little bit in training camp. But um, if it's a big slot like you're talking about and if it's a tight end, I am very comfortable at this point with him on the field in those situations. And, you know, the draft pedigree, the the amount of – game he does understand from a from the collegiate level is really high yet we're still seeing you know mistakes but it's been progress each and every week and I I think the Miami game has just burned these bad marks in in people's minds but Mm -hmm. um, he's been a much better player since then and I think the reduced snap count not relying on him to do everything in the secondary and just kind of limiting his role is is a great thing for his development as a pro. That's a that's a great point is the layered the layered responsibilities I think has worked out very well with him the, the last few weeks and seeing just these some of the things he's doing. I mean if, if he's not pass rushing effectively and he's covering a tight end effectively, even if it's you know a less mobile tight end some of the some of the time or you know a big slot receiver, we hope it would work. Uh it's it's just it's very exciting to see that, and we really there really has been much less dependence on him playing any back end snaps. I have to really go back and see during these dime snaps did he really go back in the back end at all? I don't know that he did. Uh, he probably did for a few, and Clark was up close to the line of scrimmage doing something differently or playing dime or whatever. But uh, uh, I, I just don't remember very many of those snaps in these in these last few weeks of dime. Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, Welch Phillips, uh, potential cuts now too valuable. Keep one of them for special teams. What would you think? Um, yeah, you probably do have to keep, uh, Welch for special teams. Unless Phillips is, is playing better than him there. Uh, I'm, I'm not really privy to that. Uh, but I think one of those guys does stick, especially if Bynes moves to IR. He's not really playing special team snaps for you. Malik Harrison is doing that, and I think he's playing it well. But the Ravens are a special teams-oriented team. Uh, Even though they were built on defense, John Harbaugh is a special teams guy, and their unit has been great this year. Um, Up and down on the coverage unit, by the way, just just depends on the game. but. I really think they're going to want some key, you know, contributors in that area. And I don't know if they're going to cut one of those guys. Yeah. I, I think uh, it's, it's probably yet to be seen. They, they need space. So you're going to have to make space for some players, particularly the returning guys. And they've got, you know, th- three returning plus, you know, Roquan coming in. AJ Klein is making a space, a spot for someone, uh, but they've, they've, you know, they, they need to find some spots here. I want to talk, and I think we'd be remiss not to, to talk about one player who I don't think is affected by the Roquan deal at all, and that's Lamar Jackson. I don't believe anything that's out there that would tell you that the Ravens have gone after Roquan Smith. They would never trade away a second and a fifth round draft pick 
and then not re-sign the guy. And because they're going to re-sign Roquan to a 20 million a year deal or, or maybe something slightly less than that, maybe he makes 16, 17 million a year, that that means they can't afford Lamar Jackson anymore. I, that would truly be letting the um, tail wag the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I don't I don't take any of that talk seriously. Um, I, I don't really. I think it's just part of the the microwave society that we live in people just reacting to react. Uh, but yeah, I, there, there's no reason that the Ravens bring in Roquan and let their best player, the guy that is the face of the franchise out the door mm-hmm. um, because they want to make a move on defense. I, I just, I don't buy it at all. Yeah. All right. We're in agreement there. Uh, I think we've pretty much covered anything, everything. There is one interesting little tidbit that I saw. I don't know if it's still true, but Roquan Smith apparently doesn't have an agent either. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, man. this is so there was a guy this offseason, Saint Omni, who was contacting NFL teams uh, as a rogue, uh, claiming to represent him. And the NFL had to actually put something out to all 32 teams saying this guy is not authorized to represent Roquan Smith in any way, shape, or form. He's not an NFLPA recognized agent. And he just added, but apparently, as of right now, Roquan is not uh, is not signed up with any NFLPA approved agent. Wow. <laughs> that is that is quite interesting. Maybe maybe the Ravens are confident because they have some experience in negotiations with Lamar Jackson that they will be able to get a deal done with both of these guys. That that would just be uh <laughs> that that would take Twitter by storm for sure. That both of these guys don't have agents and uh yeah, that that is interesting for sure. All right, Jake, outstanding. You're just the right guy to have on this with your Georgia background and your and your obvious, very up-to-date knowledge of who Roquan Smith is as a player. I really appreciate you coming on. Tell folks where they can talk football with you. Yeah, so I am busy on Twitter, at Real Jake Vogel, um, just how you would expect, J-A-K-E-V-O-G-E-L. And, um, yeah, hit me up on there. I'm always talking Ravens football and Georgia football. And we got, when I say we, we're talking about the Georgia Bulldogs here. Uh, a huge game uh, this upcoming Saturday, Georgia, Tennessee. It's probably the biggest game left on the college football schedule. I know some Ohio State and Michigan fans might disagree, but uh, if we're being honest, I, I think I think it's probably true. The SEC tiebreaker in effect, meaning Absolutely. if it's an SEC game, it's more important. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Again, really appreciate having you on. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up. I'm always looking for content, particularly over the bye week. And we got some interesting things coming on. The Roquan Smith trade is an interesting one. Maybe we have another acquisition tomorrow. Uh, we'll know when that deadline tolls, whether or not the Ravens have made another move, maybe at cornerback, maybe at wide receiver. Uh, could even be somewhere else. Wouldn't wouldn't it wouldn't absolutely shock me. But, uh, but I think those are the two most likely. Uh, Jake, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much, Ken. We'll talk to you next time on film study. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.